Road to Life. We love you. We're so glad to be back together on our podcast. We're here with Pastor Mike Shepline, and we're going to hear the message from Sunday where you can be inspired through the Word of God and maybe even a funny story. For more information, visit RoadToLifeChurch.com, and we'll see you next week. Amen. Well, um, last week, uh, Micah taught, wasn't that a great message last week? That was a great message. And Micah talked about it being intentionally changed, being intentional about or intentional change in our life. This week, we're going to continue in a, not the same talk, but a similar vein. And I'm going to call it, the title of it is Intentional Faith intentional faith. And I mean, it goes, I think when you're standing in church on a Sunday morning, it would be safe to assume that uh, 95% of us or more would call ourselves people of faith. Would we all agree with that? We would all say, oh yes, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a, we're people of faith. And from our context in church and, and um, having a, a relationship with the Lord, what that simply means is, is I believe in Jesus as my Savior and as my Lord. How many of you are with me on that? I believe it. And we're all in varying degrees of the Lordship part where we're learning to uh, apply and learning to say, okay, Lord, we're in varying degrees of that. But when people say, when we say people of faith, given the country that we live in, it's a pretty easy statement to say. But if you were in like, um, you know, Iran, Iraq, Syria, some of these Middle Eastern countries, and you were to stand up and you were to say, I am a person of faith and I believe in Jesus as my Savior and as my Lord, it would have a definitely a different impact, would it not? Do you know what I'm saying? And so it wouldn't be as casual there. It would be much more, it would be, you know, we're, we're not getting death threats in, in America. And, it, it's more, and I think in America today or, or in our culture, it's a confession that we make out of our, it's a belief that we have in our heart, but we make a confession. Maybe it's a bumper sticker we have on our car. Maybe we've got it on our doormat right outside our front door. You know what I'm saying? We got a couple doilies or something like that. And hope Hopefully, it's a motivation to reach out to the world around us and share our faith. Hopefully, it's a motivation where it's like, God, you're so good. Who can I share my faith with? Who can I just simply not to condemn anybody, but to just share of of God's love and his goodness with somebody else? And you know, it can be, I think, when when we, and from all of the context we've been talking about, is it can be um, a very casual faith. Casual faith, meaning it's kind of more of a, a mental ascent. I, oh yes, I mentally, I, I have accepted Jesus. I believe it can be feeling-based. You know, where we, um, how many of you know, I love the feelings. Am I the only one? I love the feelings. I, you know, I, when, you, when you think about it is, um, you know, you, uh, I believe in feelings. I like feelings. I want feelings to accompany my faith. I do. God gave feelings. He, he, I, I, I want all of that. But realize this, that my faith isn't controlled by my feelings, where it's only feeling or cerebral. It's deeper than that. 
It's, it's, deeper, than, it, it's deeper than that. And I think that I, I would call that, when we talk about that level of faith, if we could say casual faith, this is first level of faith, is it's the euphoric stage. The euphoric stage. And you say, well, what do you mean by the euphoric stage? It's kind of like dating relationships. How many of you remember, maybe if you're married and you first met that person, it was the euphoric stage. They're flawless. How many of you know what I'm saying? They are absolutely, you know what I'm saying? It was just like, oh my gosh. I remember when I just, I, I, I mean, I just, I met Jill and I was like, Lord, not only is she beautiful, she's perfect. How many of you know what I'm saying? How many, you, you know what I'm saying? And, but then as the stages go on, nobody's perfect. How many of you know what I'm saying? And so what happens is, is the relationship shifts from just the euphoric, the feeling to commitment. The, 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 the relationship shifts and it goes into a, a deeper, but that's first level. And I want to throw this out there is it's necessary in our lives, but there's more to this walk of faith than that level. There's more to this walk of faith. And what I love is the Gospel of John chronologically lays this out so beautifully. And I wonder if I could just give you just a snapshot of John. The first chapter of the Gospel of John is you find out it's kind of, you know, it first talks about the divinity of Jesus, but Jesus is not known. He's not seen. And then it rolls into John the Baptist, who's the main guy on the scene at that time. And then you see Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist. And if we could put Jesus' life into a category, we would say that, that the gospel of John, the first chapter, was Jesus was in obscurity. Nobody really knew who he was. But starting in the second chapter of the gospel of John was the wedding at Cana of Galilee. And y'all remember what happened there where Jesus turned the water into wine. And once he turned the water into wine and started the lid was off and, and it went and it, and so it went from obscurity. And so from John chapter two, all the way through to the, through the majority of John chapter six was Jesus in popularity. It was euphoric. It was incredible. If you were around Jesus, he's turning the water into wine. He's feeding everyone. He's healing the blind. If you look, and I'm not saying he didn't do this after chapter six, but it is just like, bam, bam, 3,000 get fed, 5,000 get fed. You know what I'm saying? Woman with the issue of blood, Jairus the daughter gets raised. I mean, just bam, bam, just all this. And in the Amplified, I like it because at one of the miracles, the woman with the issue of blood, it says it like this. Jesus stopped in the crowd. And we look and we think of a crowd. Oh, he probably had maybe 50 people around him or whatever. No, it was hundreds of people. And the Amplified defined it like this, if not thousands. It said that the crowd that was around him was pressing so tight, it was almost suffocating him. It was like everybody wanted to be on that bandwagon. Everybody is like, oh yes, I could be here. But then in John 6, Jesus begins to challenge his followers unlike he had ever done up to that time. And he begins to challenge them. And you say, what do you mean? He's wanting them to go from casual faith to intentional faith. 
He's wanting them to go from the euphoric relationship where it's feelings and I'm mentally and I get it and everything is, I agree with it. And oh my gosh, can I have another cheeseburger? Faith, how many of you know what I'm saying? It's like he's wanting to go. And what I love about this is Jesus feeds the 5,000 and then they're following him and Jesus turns to them and he want, they want to be fed again. And Jesus makes this profound statement in John 6 and he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, he said, you're going to have no part of me. And, and he wasn't endorsing cannibalism, but what he was saying is he's saying, you know, you've been around me and I've been teaching you for a while and you've got to go from this casualness to where you're consuming what I'm teaching you, where you're consuming it, you're learning and it's becoming part of you, part of the way that you see. You're applying it, you're taking it into yourself and you're applying it to your life. And Jesus begins to challenge them to go from this casual faith of feeling to this this intentional faith in 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 if you didn't uh, if you haven't researched this, what you find out is at the end of chapter 6 is when Jesus starts and we'll call it this his last season and it's his season of adversity and adversity is where they're wanting to kill him Adversity is when people are leaving. Adversity is when he's getting problems. But the reason is, is he began to challenge them. And, and when you think about this, they were, they were basically saying, you know, the people start leaving him and they're like, wait, I didn't sign up for this. I signed up for the Happy Meal with the toy. Okay, I, 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 that's what I signed up for. And you're talking like, well, I got to go deep. You're talking. And, and so, and, and it's like they said, I didn't sign up. See, intentional faith is when I have to stir it up and it's not easy and it's not natural. I'm in an environment. I'm in a spot. I'm in a season. And I'm facing some stuff in my life. And if I'm not intentional, it would be really, really easy to get discouraged, let my mind begin to swirl, and take breadcrumbs to the wrong path in my life. Are you with me? And, and Jesus, what he's realizing is I got to get them. See, intentional faith is trusting when you've done what you thought was the right thing, but it's not gone how you thought it was going to go. And it requires what I call painful patience. There's a difference between patience and painful patience. Painful patience is I'm doing the right thing. And God, what is the deal? What is going on? You don't understand. And we're facing a headwind. Let me just throw this out. Is I am a faith person. I love to feel it. I believe in confessing and standing on the promises of God in and over my life. I believe in renewing the way that I think with them and not letting go of them. But intentional faith is those times where you've thought it and you're looking and you're saying, God, what in the flip is going on here? How many of you know what I'm saying? Let's just be honest. You know what I'm saying? How many of you have ever had that thought? Let me just hear it. Lord, what in the flip is going on? God, what is, what, what is going on here? Realize this, that the entire Bible, every hero you have in the Bible 
had an example of this in their life. They had it in their life. You know, Paul at his conversion, God said, I'm going to show him the things that he's going to need to go through for my namesake. God said that about Paul. I like to say it like this, is this is kind of the intentional faith is the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room is the conversations we don't want to have because we don't want to act like, well, I'm, I'm struggling right now. I'm, Lord, I'm, it's the elephant in the room. Sometimes it's like it's there and we just got to stop and say, okay, I realize right now I'm sweating more than I've ever sweated before. I'm going through some stuff right now. I'm feeling some stuff. I'm not understanding. God, I love you, but Lord, what is going on right now? This is intentional faith in our life. Look at what it says in James chapter 1, verse 2 through verse 6. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way. I like that. Any kind is like nothing's left out. Anybody got troubles going on right now? Let me just see your hand. We got some troubles. Okay, y'all, he's talking to us then. Any kind. You say, well, I'm not having any troubles. Next week. Next week. <laughs> any kind come your way. Look at this. Consider it an opportunity for great joy. Look at the word consider. That means to stop, to not react the same way, but to see it differently. When you consider, you pause. I'm considering. And then he said, it's an opportunity. An opportunity is something that will turn to a blessing in our life. An opportunity is a positive for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Now, we don't usually, a lot of times we stop right there, but I want you to notice the context of verse 5 and 6. It's talking about uh, various trials. It's talking about problems. It's talking about things. Verse 5. If you need wisdom, ask of our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. So when I'm in it, God says, come to me and ask me. I want you to come and I want you to ask me. But look at what he said in verse 6. But when you ask him, be sure your faith is in God alone. It's in God alone. It's not God plus. It's not God, this person's going to. But God, my faith is in you alone. And then look at what he said. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Look at what it says in, in 1 Peter verse 1, or chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead. Now let's just stop right there. How many of you like so far? Lord, that's, I want to be glad. How many of you just glad? How many of you want to be glad? How about wonderful joy? Okay, let's keep reading. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while. How many of you think that verse would have been better had they stopped after? You know what I'm saying? How many of you would have? Let me just throw this out. Right now, in that verse, what we have is casual faith 
and intentional faith in the same verse. Casual faith, truly glad, wonderful joy ahead, committed, intentional faith, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. Now look at this. These trials will show, everybody say the word show, your faith is genuine. Notice this, God doesn't just want our faith to be a personal thing in my heart, but he wants to prove it and for me to show it. And what does he want to show? That it's genuine, that it's real. It's not superficial, it's real. You know, I had a, and I've shared this story before, but I had a brother-in-law many years ago that, um, that was infatuated with Rolex watches, wanted a Rolex watch. Problem was, he had seven kids. How many of you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and he, he couldn't get a Rolex watch, and they came and visited us, and we were in San Diego, and he heard that he could buy a Rolex watch in Tijuana for 15 bucks. And his, his whole, they were, they were with us for like a week or 10 days. And the whole trip he was there, he said, we can do whatever ever anybody wants. But one of these times, we're going to Tijuana and I'm getting me a Rolex. That's what he said. And so he bought this Rolex. We took him down there. He bought a Rolex. And within seven days, the gold was wearing off on his arm. I'm like, dude, you got a gold wrist. You know what I'm saying? The gold was, see, it wasn't genuine. It looked genuine at first, but when you began to use it, it wasn't genuine. God is into us showing through life circumstances that our faith in him is not just a statement. It's not something because my husband or my wife or my parents or my boyfriend or my girlfriend, but it is something that's in me. It is something that I own. It is something that I build on. It is something that I anchor. And when the stuff hits the fan, what God is saying is I want you to go from this casual faith to an intentional faith, but you're going to have to realize it's going to be in the heat of the fire. It's going to, it's going to be in that environment. Now look at what he said. So these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire test and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. Notice this value base right here. God said, I just want to let you know that your faith and your relationship with me is more than any pay raise. It's worth more than any car. It's worth more than any toy. It's worth more than any house. It's worth more than paying off anything. It's more valuable than anything monetarily you could ever get down here. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. I think these are the times that show the genuineness of my faith. Trusting that God's in control when it's out of my control. You know, as we study the Bible, no matter who your hero is, they face this type of faith-developing adversity. The disciples, some of the most exhilarating, um, encouraging 
lifting, euphoric moments that were just beyond good. But then there were times where Jesus looked at him and said, are you guys going to leave me too? That's what he said. Then after he died, they said, we're going to go back to fishing. And what I want to do is I think it's in these times that our root system goes deeper than maybe we had ever known possible. And what happens, though, if our root system doesn't go deeper is we pick up baggage that if we don't offload it, it will affect the rest of our life. And so God leads us. And I want to, uh, with my remaining time, I want to give us three what I'm going to call universal truths to apply in these times. Next week, we're going to look at a story in the Bible, and we're going to see an exact situation. I think we'll put ourselves into it. But equally is I think that no matter where you're at, no matter what's going on, when we talk about intentional faith is for you to just stop. And these three truths, if we'll apply them, what they'll do is they'll help us. Number one is this, is God won't allow you to go through anything he won't handle with you. God won't allow you to go through anything that he won't handle with you. He's not, you say, well, I just want God to do it. No, he's going to do it with you. There are times that he just does it, but he wants me to get into my heart that, you know what, God, I don't care how you do it, but I know that you're not going to let me go through anything that you won't handle with me. This is a core belief. It's a foundational thing that without it, we go into survival mode and check out on God when stuff happens. We just check out because this happened and because that happened and oh my gosh, and we just go into the ditch and we check out on God. No, we got to have a core belief on the inside that God, you're not going to let me go through anything that you won't handle it with me. You won't. First Corinthians 10 verse 13, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Let me just throw this out. When we're in it, we think, oh, this is just me. Oh, this is nobody's had it like me. God's like, I just want to give you inside track, Mike. I just want to let you know. I've let 100,000 people do the same thing before. Just so you know, just so you know, so you can just deflate your head and think that you're the only one. I just want you to realize there's been, I've let a whole bunch of people with a sim, very similar experience. Now look at what it says. And God is faithful. I like that. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. See, if we're used to tapping out when it gets hot, God wants to work the tap out out of us. When he, he just wants to work the tap out out. Where we, we're just, it gets hot and it's a tap out mentality. And you say, well, I'm still going through the motions, but in your brain, you've tapped out. You've just kind of tapped out. It's in these times that we've got to realize that God has a grace gift for us and we've got to learn how to lean into him in those times and he'll sustain us. He will sustain us. God's strength is stronger than anything you're facing and anything in your backpack. The apostle Paul had one of 
these very seasons in his life. And he said, I sought the Lord three times to get this thing off my back. And the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For when you are weak, I am strong. And God says, I want you now to realize that you might not, but I can. Even if your backpack is getting dumped, let God fill it up. Number two is this. Put one foot in front of the other in the right direction. Direction is huge. Which direction am I going? When I have to be in intentional faith, which direction am I going? And I'll just throw this out there. Doing what I know, when I know it, even when you don't feel like it. I just got to do what I know. Everybody say, what I know. When I know it. Even when I don't feel like it. You say, why is that so important? Because when you know, and you don't do it when you know, you will talk yourself out of it before you do it. How many of you are with me on that? The best time is present. The the best time, and, and sometimes doing what we know when we know, even when we don't feel like it, is huge because we can talk ourselves in to anything. I've been around people that I, I'm like, they know the Lord. I thought they were more spiritual, but that is one of the stupidest things I have ever heard. How many of you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, how could they? You know, this happened, to, this happened a couple months back, and somebody I know, it's like, no, no, you're smarter than this. Did you give your brain to somebody? I'm going to be honest. And I called them, and I said, what are you doing? And they said to me, yep, and I'm going to do it. You say, what did you say? You're an idiot. (laughs) I didn't say that, but I thought it. How many of you know what I'm saying? I tried to back them off. I tried to back them off. I tried to back them off. But it was like, but what it was is they knew what they needed to do. And they needed to do it when they knew it. But now they had talked themselves out of it. And now they were taking steps in the wrong direction. What we've got to realize is there's no substitute for doing what I know. There's no prayer that can, that can suffice, that can stop me from doing what I know. My doing is what determines my direction, not my intentions and desires. It's what I do that determines the direction of my life. If I get pulled over by a police officer for speeding. First of all, I never intend to speed, but when he pulls me over, he doesn't say to me, did you intend to speed? Did you desire to speed? He just simply says, can I have your license and can I have your registration? Because you are paying my salary this month. How many of you know what I'm saying? And, and I think you, you, in our lives sometimes, we stop and we're like, well, I meant to. Well, I want to. Then just do it. You just, got, you just have to. I, it's, and, and I think sometimes we think, well, you know, because I intended or, or my desire, you know, every day is an equipping day. Number three is this. Everybody say number three. That's my last one. Identify your landmines and ask, the, ask God to help you. Now, let me be clear when I use the word landmine. I'm not talking about like 
literal landmines, but when our kids, when we, you know, when, um, before we moved here, we had three dogs. Everybody say three dogs. The smallest one was medium size, and the largest one was a Great Dane Lab mix. How many of y'all know that's a big dog? That was a big, but they were all love dogs. They were, they were all, they were all love dogs. And what we called dog poop, we called it landmines. That's what we called it. Landmines. And, 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 and Josh was over the landmines. Our son was over the landmines. And we'd call him Pooper Scooper and, you know, that kind of stuff. We'd be like, he's over the landmines. And he was so good about it. He'd be like, oh, oh, oh. and he'd be out there, you know. And, and three dogs, how many of y'all know? That's a lot. You know, you just leave three dogs for three days and watch out. It ain't tiptoe through the tulips. You know what I'm saying? It is like, it was really, really bad. You say, well, what do you mean by dog poop? Something you've stepped in and you're carrying it with you, and now it's stinking up every place you go. It's stinking up every place that you go. Have you ever, have you ever had somebody come over to your house with something on their foot? How many of you know what I'm saying? We had people come over and they're coming over for dinner. I'm like, burn it, baby. Get them out of the house. Just get them out of the house. You know Just like you, you know, they, but they, you know, they, they come over and, and, and they've stepped in it. And they, as soon as you open the door, it's like something's wrong. You know what I'm saying? Take your shoes off. You know what I'm saying? Take your shoes off. Realize that when we're in an intentional faith time in our life, what we pick up can stink up and make worse the entire environment. And let me just give you an example of this. The landmine of pessimism. Just pe- I'm just pessimistic. Well, it's harder, you know, just, just pessimistic. Just have a pessimistic disposition. The landmine of negativism. Just being negative. Negative. This didn't go. This is harder. I don't like this. And just kind of, you know what I'm saying? But here's one the landmine of passivity. We're just going to be passive now because we don't feel like it because it didn't go. And so I'm just going to be passive. Nah, 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 wah, wah, wah. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like, it's just that, that whole, the, the, the passive, maybe the landmine of criticalness, just critical of life, critical of everybody critical of faith, critical of everything. And it just stinks up the whole environment. I mean, I'm just going to throw this one out there. The landmine of self-condemnation, where you just beat yourself up. You just lay down underneath and the enemy's just beating you up because you just condemn yourself and beat yourself up. I'm going to tell you something. God wants you to get up and scrape that thing off your shoe. He wants you to just get up and just say, you know what? Okay, I I mean, you know, maybe the landmine of a pity party. Maybe the landmine of apathy, just apathy in my life. I mean, I'm just going to throw this one out there. The landmine of unteachableness in a spot. It's hard. I did what I thought. And now there's just this, they're just not teachable, not open. It's like, dude, you need help, but you're not teachable. You're, you know, you're just, you're just not teachable. Realize that if we step in a landmine, we've got to stop and clean it off. Don't drag it with you. You say, why? It'll run all the good people out of your life. All the good people will just be like, dude, you stink. I'm out of here. How many of you know what I'm saying? It'll just run them off. 
They'll just be like, you know, how many of you are with me on that? Y'all with me? Look, okay, just relax. Some of us right now. We're getting a little intense. Online, we're getting a little intense. Okay, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to just nudge the person next to you like this. Just nudge him and say this to him. He is not talking about us. Just nudge him. Nudge him. He's talking about people we know. Just do that. Just do that. Just, oh yeah, there's people. How many of you know what I mean? It's people we know. It ain't us. It's people we know. Tom, it ain't us. So you relax a little bit. Just relax a little bit. You say, well, how do I clean it off? How do I get it off my foot? Number one, acknowledge it. Acknowledge it. Say, you know what? I've been critical. You know what? I've been negative. You know what? I've not been teachable. You know what? I've got this apathy, passivity. You know what? I've just been pessimistic or negative in my life right now. And I realize that it's just stinking up the whole environment all around me. And I need to just stop. And Jesus is way better than this. Jesus is way better than what I'm facing. I'm not exempted from trials. I clearly see in the Bible that we're all, I'm going to have them. God wants to adjust in me an intentional faith when I'm facing a headwind that I don't understand. I'm just going to be intentional. You know, you think about it. There's one thing that makes these, those times worse in our life. We don't like them. But it's stepping in it and then refusing to acknowledge it and refusing. God has a grace and a favor that is greater. It's greater. And what humility does is it opens us up. I find this, that sometimes when we're facing a headwind, it uncovers a root that God's been trying to get to for a while. It uncovers a root. And God is like, okay, I need you to just invite me in. Go ahead, get the hose out, start squirting that thing. Get the putty knife off, scrape it. Say, Lord, it's dry. Keep working, it'll go. You know what I'm saying? Say, well, I've been dragging this on my foot for 45 years. <laughs> it's like, God's like, you know what, though? You've never seen it before. This is a revolutionary moment for you. You've never seen it before. You've never acknowledged it before. But today, I'm showing you, and I want you to just open up. I want you to open up and say, Lord, I realize right now in my life that I've not been avoiding the landmines and I've been stinking up the environment and it's just been making it a whole lot harder and a whole lot worse. And today, Lord, I'm gonna stop and say, Lord, I repent and I'm asking you to help me. Help me, God. Help me to spot it. Help me to recognize it. I'd like to say, Lord, it's gonna just go away. But I do know this, that without you helping me, I know it ain't gonna go away. I know it's not gonna go away. Everyone stand to your feet. How many of you got like, had some, you know, last Thursday they had some severe consequences in the area for a storm that blew through. How many of you, anybody lose their power in here? Let me see your hand. 
lose your power? Anybody, anybody lose your power for more than a day? Let me see your hand. Honey, we're the only ones. <laughs> My daughter left. We came home and <laughs> we were in South Bend and we came home and it looked like a war zone. Couldn't get home, trees down, power's out, everything. We came home. We're on well water. Do you know what well water means? Well water means don't flush it, baby, don't flush it. We just gotta conserve everything. How many of you know what I'm saying? It's like, we don't know when this is going back on. Two poles snapped at the end of our street. Big tree just took them out. Like, you know what I'm saying? So I looked around, we had one tree go down in our back half of a tree, missed our house by about three feet. You know, another one top came out, but I looked at my wife, I said, baby, everything's cool, look at this. I mean, we can, you know, no power. I go walking around the house, and as I'm walking around the house, I look up at this 100-year-old oak tree that's up there, and it's got two main branches, and as I look at it, I'm like, something looks different. The wind twisted it, and you could see through the trunk. And it was just, I'm talking like thousands of pounds. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. Long story short, we got everything taken care of. But I didn't get in my regular shower routine. How many of you are with me on that? She didn't say it, but she could have said it. Honey, you stinketh. How many of you know what I'm saying? Cutting down trees and you know what I'm saying, all of it, but no shot, you know, whole thing. She could have could have said that. And after the power came back on, and I took a first shower I'd taken in a couple days, it was like, oh, this just feels so good. How many of you are with me on that? Just like, oh, this feels so good. New appreciation. Realize this, that God has a fresh perspective for you in that season and in that time and a new appreciation that he's going to give you for life. But he wants us to have an attitude of humility where we say, Lord, I'm gonna be intentional. I'm gonna be intentional. And Lord, I'm gonna examine the stuff, anything. I'm gonna examine it and I need you to help me. I wanna pray for us right now. Lord, I thank you for every person that is here. God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that is in the room. Lord, I thank you for your comfort right now, the comfort of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, right now, we come to you. Our faith is in you. Our trust is in you. Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy in and over our life. Lord, I thank you that you are the God of not only tomorrow, but right now. And Lord, as we today come before you, Lord, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that just brings peace, brings strength, 
brings guidance into our lives and Lord gives us an overwhelming sense that you've got us. You've got us. Thank you, Jesus.